This is Soccer Pilgrim, the podcast dedicated to soccer and travel, where each stadium is shrine and its fans delay people. For the traveler, it is another culture to explore. Welcome to the Soccer Pilgrim podcast with Jason Kim. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Soccer Pilgrim. I'm your host, Jason Jisoo Kim. And today's episode, I'm joined by my first reoccurring guest, and that's Abraham Yassin. Uh, for those who don't remember, he is a Youth Academy coach at CF Montreal for the now the U12s. And so, yeah, what's up, Abraham? How's it going? Good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Okay. So, first things first, first question Did you ever think Canada was going to qualify for Qatar 2022? Uh, yes. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's funny because everyone I spoke to were like, yes, but no. They, they thought Canada would qualify for the World Cup, but not this soon. I, I, uh, I believe but I didn't expect them to qualify. Uh, I didn't expect them to finish first. Okay. I, I honestly expected them maybe third or <laughs> fourth in the intercontinental uh, playoff. Uh, playoff. But I never, I honestly never expected them to finish first, which is amazing. Like, I remember in the last episode, you talked about you've met uh, John Herdman and he gave a speech and uh, like his philosophy. Like now seeing Canada finish first, in remembering that philosophy, do you feel like it all makes sense now? Like everything just clicks. You're like, oh, okay, I get it now. Yeah, yeah. The 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 thing they call the brotherhood, uh, what mm-hmm. they're what they're going through right now. These are all methodologies that uh, John Herdman has implemented uh, with the squad. And I mean, you you got to remember also that it's a country that's big. Um, yeah, that's doesn't have the same uh, structure as other countries. Um, but now. I could say that Canada soccer is rising right now. Mm. It's finally rising because um, you have a coach that's uh, based on research, science, getting the best people within the country uh, to be part of the program. Every detail in terms of uh, a load management, uh, squad selection, um, team bonding, uh, strategies, tactics, uh, unity. Um, their motto is that we stand on guard, like using the national anthem as a way to to pump them up. Um, a CPL league, um, three MLS teams that are starting to, you know, develop academy players that are that are that are being known a little bit more in the world. So mm-hmm. um, we're getting to a point right now, and even right now they announced the the, the League One. The, Canada Semi Pro League for for BC, Ontario, and Quebec. So all this is the it's it's amazing right now. So uh, yeah, John Herndon, you know, like I I I was skeptical in the beginning at the yeah at the, at the Quebec Symposium, but got it spot on. And uh, congratulations to to him, honestly, like uh, and to the players. Yeah, like um, it's kind of because everyone I spoke to. Uh, obviously being one was a journalist uh, another one was an ultra another one's a fan like me and also like he takes pictures at uh in ottawa a shout out to aaron and um we all kind of said the same thing we're like we believed in this team we believed in canada soccer but we didn't think it was going to happen 2022 like everyone kind of thought like maybe they'll finish fourth and maybe lose the playoffs or just like just barely make it to the world cup and then make it in 2026 because you know we get in automatically but I think we all agreed that they went above and beyond all of our expectations. They, yeah. they they killed it. And also like the last three games without Alfonso Davies, they played really well. And I was like, 
you know, even without Davis, this team is not bad. This team is like Kyle Aaron, Jonathan David, Tejan Buchanan, uh, Ustakio. I, I, I rate Ustakio. I think he's really good. Um, it's just, I don't know. And then now they brought in Ismail Kone. I'm speaking, do you know him? Like, he's, he's a youth academy product. So do you like... Um, I, I don't know him personally, but I have seen him play uh, when I was coaching the Lakeshore U17 AAA girls uh, when we went to the Canadian Championship uh, in PEI. Mm. I, I saw him play uh, in PEI. He was at Saint Laurent. Oh, yeah. The, the boys' side went to also PEI. We traveled at the same time. And I remember I watched a game, I think, against BC. If I'm not mistaken, he sh- scored a rocket from God knows where. Yeah. Uh, top corner. And I was like, oh, my God. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I, I, like, I remember watching him. And, and uh, he was a good player, but I didn't expect him to be uh, to, to make the first team right away. You know, like, I, it, was a, it was a bit of a surprise. But from what I saw, he's, you know, he's, he's talented. He's gifted. Um, and it's it's cool because it's a it's a different profile for the position he's playing mm. you know he's a guy that's um he looks like to be a box-to-box player um defensively he still needs work he needs a lot of work also defensively in terms of, of uh positioning and and you know on transition but overall the guy has talent and yeah i mean i i understand why they they they, they picked him you know, uh, to have selections and to make sure that he's a Canadian player, uh, because you never know, honestly, like other countries, uh, you know, they could call him and say, Hey, uh, you know, you want to join us. So, um, yeah. but it's a good, it's a good addition because it's a different profile than, than for example, Piet. Mm. I mean, he's a guy who looks like he wants to score goals also. Yeah. Like what I love about him. I remember watching that Lagunas game in the, at the Olympic stadium. I remember the moment he touched. I, I I remember clearly, if I'm being honest, the first half he looked a little shaky. Obviously, like 19 year old guy playing a Champions League game, yo, that's not easy. High pressure at the big O, like it's a lot of pressure. Then the second half he just came alive. Where every dribble, every touch, I was just like, whoa, who is this guy? You know? Yeah. And I remember, um, I remember even after a game, I I remember texting the Derby magazine people. I'm like, yo, you gotta watch this kid, man. He's 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 really good, and. Now he's starting almost every CF Montreal game. Piet's injured, so that kind of helps him in. But just as you said, like the way he dribbles stands out. He always wants a score. He wants to go for it. But defensively, yeah, I think he relies a lot on Wanyama to do that. But I like what I see. I genuinely like what I see. I was like, yo, if by the time he, I'm interested, I'm interested to see how he's like at 23. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and people like. At the end of the day, as much as people criticize the kid, I mean, he's still a kid. He's yes. still 19. I mean, he's he went from a from an amateur club to to play in the pros. It's a big leap for him, you know. Yeah. And um, we're talking about AAA. It's uh, yeah for for him. He's trying to like. I I feel like he's enjoying it. Mm. I feel like he. He, um, like for me, the, the moment it, it kind of like, I was like, holy shit, who, like, like, who, who's that? And then when I, when I read the name, I was like, okay, it's, it's Kone. Like, whoa. Yeah. Is when he went through the middle combined with, I, I don't remember who he combined with, did a, uh, roulette and, and like combined with another player and then went forward on a, almost on a breakaway. And then he, he, I think the keeper saved it. Yeah. I like there was a moment where I was like, oh my God, I haven't seen that in a long time. <laughs> TF Montreal, 
like a player like that to to do these things and it's like oh my god it's it's good for the club it's good for the country and um he's still a kid he still has a lot of things to learn i mean mm -hmm. it's it's normal because he's raw but he will get his place if he continues like that and for me the only thing is that you know keep going keep playing if you get the chance keep going i mean it's this is great and it 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 creates this competition now mm. with with piet which now he's gonna have to push himself to to maybe regain his spot even though he's younger but now you have that thing where Kone, you know piet comes back Kone will have to push himself even more to to compete with that and it's depth it's a different profile than piet as a six where you have a player that's a little bit box to box yeah um that's a little bit more ambitious forward and and I, I thought I, I thought he did well also against um, who was it against uh, Costa Rica with yeah. the man down. The fact that you put a player like that with a man down just gives you the benefit of doubt of the coaching staff right yeah. away. I mean, it's like he he must be doing something in training that's incredible. Yeah, like I remember that Costa Rica game where he came on the last 12, 15 minutes, and I don't think he made a mistake during those last ten, like twelve, fifteen minutes. Every pass met its target, like, well, maybe one or two didn't meet it. But, like, I remember every time he touched the ball, I was like, there is a purpose when he touches the ball. Yeah. He would turn, look for a pass. If there's no pass, he would take a shot. It would just create something. And I was like, it's a breath of fresh air. I remember yeah. one of my friends who coaches at NDG, and he was telling me, like, he reminds me of young Pogba. And I was yeah. like, yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, like serious talent, and I think Montreal. I think not Montreal, not just Montreal, but Canada just wants a midfielder that isn't traditional in that sense. You know, with like a Piet or a pure number ten, like someone who isn't scared of dribbling. Yeah, and you need different profiles. That's for sure. I mean, yeah, you definitely need profile. And don't forget, like um, Kone was probably outside the radar of most teams right now. Mm. So it's the benefit of the doubt that when you do it, and it, like. If, if a club is doing an analysis, a performance analysis on another team, um, Kone is not really on the radar yet. Yeah. It's starting to be, but when you go into the international level, the main players are going to be Davis, uh, David uh, Buchanan, Larin. Yeah. Like Kone could be that player um, that could surprise people and could be also the difference maker in games with yeah. that type of profile. So... It's good. I think I think it was a, I think it's a great move from CF Montreal and a great move from Canada to to uh, select them. Yeah, I mean, even John Herdman. I remember the way he talks about him. He's like, I we haven't seen a player like this in a long time. Yeah. And I'm like, if Herdman is taking notice and saying stuff like that, I'm like, yo, this kid. I don't want to jinx it because, you know, if Montreal builds a team around this guy in the future. You can have a beast of a team, unless a European club was like, we want him, then, you know, you can't really say no to that. But uh, we'll see, because like a lot of my friends think that he might be too good to stay in MLS, which would be nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, but we've seen other players that we... Oh. <laughs> yeah. So, you know who I'm talking about. Uh, Both but, coming from but... the same countries originally, too. So... Yeah. so um and and the difference is that uh he seems like a guy that just wants to play and, and get better and better and um mm. like look there, there's certain things that not like 
how can I say this? The MLS players lack in what the Europeans have, the European clubs. And I, I think one is the defensive aspect. If you want to be a box-to-box yeah. midfielder, you've got to be on top defensively and offensively and on transition. And he's young, but he will learn. I think he will mm. learn. And I think it's something that maybe in the environment that he is, uh, he will learn that. So um, it takes time, but if he if he progresses, I wouldn't be surprised if he if a club uh, from outside the MLS will will uh, will sign him. And I think also for CF Montreal, it's good that he's learning on like there's Georgi Mihalovic who kind of teaching him how to beat on number ten, for example. Yeah. Like the last game I watched that versus Vancouver, I saw the way Mihalovic, Johnson, and Wanyama spoke to him, and I'm yeah. like, yo, this kid's learning a master class right now. Yeah. From one of MLS's best number 10, Mihalovic. In my opinion, I think he's the best number 10, unless there's a name I'm forgetting right now. Uh, Wanyama with all that experience of a, a solid number six. And then Johnson, who is an up-and-coming defender for Canada. And, you know, uh, last season was one of the best defenders in MLS. You know, learning all these things, I'm like, yo, this kid's learning, like, things that we all wish as players would learn, you know? Um, so, yeah, I have high hopes for him. I, I, and it's good to know that, you know, in, in our city, Montreal, we're, we're producing talents like this. And, um, well, I don't know about you, but like, I, I was talking to other guests where I'm like, where I was telling you when I was playing pickup soccer, I've seen and played against it with a lot of players like Kone, like at pickup soccer, where you, you know, that the moment they touch the ball, you're like, there's something special about this guy. And to know that I remember this one time I met this kid, he, I was like 23, 24, 25. And we're playing pickup soccer around La Salle. This guy who was wearing, at the time, impact shorts. And he was 16. The way he touched the ball, the way he moved, the way he dribbled, he was way better than me. And I'm like nine years older than him. And I remember thinking like, I looked at him and I was like, hey man, were you in a youth academy? He's like, yeah, I used to be in an impact youth academy. I was like, what happened? And he was like, eh, eh, I didn't, I fell out of love for it. And I'm like, and just to think so many kids like that just kind of fell out, you know, fell through. And then someone like Kone kind of comes out of it. And I'm like, there's hope, you know, there's hope. Yeah, I mean, um, the the restructure of the club uh, licensing around the country is is the is to is to try to try to identify players like that uh, from amateur clubs to get them to that level because at the end of the day, um, now you have more you have more you have more professional clubs. Uh, you have at least I think right now we're at twelve. In the, in the country right now scouting you know scouting a whole province and a whole country it's hard you know you need personnel you need money you need uh, people to go places and I'm sure maybe one guy in Quebec City is, is, is there's, there's a profile like that you know we don't know yeah um, so it, it's it's a little bit hard when you when you're that, you're big of a country to find those those um those players but at the same time that's the restructuring of the club licensing whether you're a national club or a provincial club or a regional club right now uh, that's what's you know that's what's uh that's what's going to help in order to select and find those players like that and um obviously uh we hope we hope that there's going to be more of those uh for the future yeah like um like recently i mean you work at Lake. You worked at the Lakeshore Soccer Association. I mean, Montreal having that partnership with Lakeshore, then with FC Laval and Brossard and like other 
other places. Uh, I thought that was really smart because it helps them with their scouting. And, you know, they already have leagues where they can, let's say, bring a name up. It's like, you should check this kid out. Then they send someone and check it out. It's, um, I mean, especially with you who works in, who, I mean, do you still coach at Lakeshore? Yeah. Yeah. So like. I'm, I'm just an assistant now. So <laughs> I have too much on my plate with CF Montreal right now. So <laughs> I was about I to for all Lakeshore viewers, I apologize. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, did you get demoted? Who'd you piss off? Like, oh, uh, no. <laughs> no, it's a decision I made because uh, the U12s, they take a little bit more time. So uh, mm-hmm. obviously, I'm still helping at the club. Yeah. I'm still helping at the club, but uh, I'm, I'm focusing more with the CF Montreal right now. Okay, that's good. But I mean, but also like with you being a part of Lakeshore, being a tackle yeah. part with like the AAA women's team. It's yeah. to know that Montreal now has, oh, CF Montreal has a partnership with Lakeshore. I mean, that must feel good, right? You're like, yeah. we're, we're doing something good here, you know? Yeah, no, it's, it's great. It's great because I think it's, it's, uh, it's good for coaching education for our coaches, our local coaches in the club mm-hmm. to share um, coaching methodology. That will hopefully help uh, the club. Um, and at the same time, uh, the scouting part also it's 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 helpful you know yeah. to 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 have someone watching players here and there and see if there's potential with certain players uh if, if they could make the academy or the pre-academy so yeah no i think it's a i think it's a great move i think uh it puts lakeshore a bit on the map right now um because uh obviously uh, there's there's two players that that came from lakeshore james patemis and well alistair johnson played yes. two years when he was young uh, but it, it shows that a lot of a lot of clubs have developed uh, players that, that can make pro and um, and the fact that you're targeting that region, which is the West Island, um, that's a little bit further for where the training center is. I think it's a good thing because uh, um, it's a little bit difficult when you live in in, in the West Island to go uh, train at the training center at the Neutralist Center. Yeah. Um, so it's good that there's um, there's a reach. Uh, to to scout and at the same time help in coaching education and and help in uh, in whatever necessary for for the club. Yeah, I mean, I mean, how long is that drive from like from West Island to uh, Nutrilé? Like that's like an hour. That's a long drive. I well, I I go through the weekday, so me it takes me at least one hour. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's like with me from LaSalle, which is like maybe 20 minutes away from where you're at. It takes me about half an hour, maybe 40 minutes of traffic. Yeah. So ugh, I can only, I can only imagine that. So it's yeah, good. Well, I've, I've had players that, uh, uh, you know, my, my, the U12s I have, I think three players, three players that were from the Lex and Louis region. Yeah. So one Close. was from, well, one from, one from Trois I think, and two from Lakeshore. Okay. And um, I remember we had a practice. Well, during the winter, we had practice at Saint Jean Vianney, mm-hmm. which is in the calculation is on the other side of the island. Yeah. So you go from one bridge to the other bridge. That's how far I was. And that took me at least an hour and 20 minutes driving. Uh, yeah, with traffic. So, um, <laughs> So yeah, no, it is, it is, but um, but when you get when you get to the age of U thirteen, U fourteen, then you have to make a decision whether or not you got to sacrifice a little bit of your time to go to the academy mm. or the pre academy because uh, 
if you if if you're able if you have a chance to break the the academy U15s uh, or the U17s, then that's maybe the little sacrifice you're going to have to do because don't forget there's a lot of players in Europe that went through that. Yeah, you know, like there's a lot of players that had to relocate, uh, had to drive for an hour. So, I mean, it's the same thing with hockey players here. Yeah, but, I mean, it's part of the the journey of being an athlete. Uh, it's uh, soccer, hockey, uh, basketball, they all have to go through that, you know, long drive. And like I said, like I've said in the previous podcast, it's mm-hmm. all about family also that, 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 the, 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 that's for me, it's something important when you go through, go through training, go to training, coming back from training, all these sacrifices that you have to do, it's for the end goal, you know? Yeah. That's the thing. It's, um, I think what inspires me is that seeing this Canadian national team make it to the World Cup and do so in a fa- in a very convincing and satisfactory fashion where it feels like the entire country is united with this team or we all kind of see elements of ourselves in this national team. I was saying with the other guests where I'm like, the majority of these players are immigrants or sons of immigrants with the men's team. Yeah. And I identify with that. I like, I get their story. Like I, I relate with them better. And I'm hoping now, at least in Quebec, is that a lot of people see soccer as a viable option as, as opposed to hockey, for example. You know, where, yeah. you're, where you're like, if you look at the national team, 60% of those players are black. And I'm like, to me, I find that inspiring. It's like, I think my, like, to me, every time I played soccer in Montreal, this is what it looked like, you know? Yeah. It's people from different backgrounds, different religions, people yeah. who are playing in the summer heat while fasting because it's Ramadan. And I'm like, Bro, like, you know, I, I love that. I love to see that. Like, that's how much this game means to people. Yeah. So I totally understand where it's like, I, I hope so a lot of people will see it as like, I am willing to drive my kid an hour and a half to practice because I see this. I see where this could go. Well, um, for the eyes of the kids, it's, wow, I can be in the World Cup. Mm. That, that's, that's for me the the inspiring part because I remember Patrice Bernier once uh, he did a um, a video call with my players yeah during the COVID uh, lockdown and he spoke about how for him watching the World Cup was you know on TV like you don't have all these streams or whatever but the only soccer that they would show was on TV the World Cup and right. it was Canada and the Mexico uh, in Mexico I think in the 86 Mexico for the World Cup. And yeah. for him, it was an inspiration that, wow, I could, I could be a player. I could be one of those players to go to the World Cup, you know? Mm. And it's important because for, for them, it's, um, it's, it's another step in their dream, you know, because most of them, they say, you know, I want to play for the, I want to, you know, play for Barcelona, I want to play for Italy, I want to play for France, blah, blah. but to get back that, uh, that love of the national team it's something cool because my players for example the u12s they they started to get in nice and i have mixed backgrounds you know like i have algerians moroccans mexicans polish mm. my so so it, it, it's cool to see like despite like their teams qualifying or, or or not qualifying they still watch canada which is you know the country that they live and for me like for myself uh, I'm born here. I'm Lebanese, but finally I could cheer for a country <laughs> in the World Cup, like a, a country that I, I live in, that I'm 
like I live in, that I'm born, that I'm that I'm Canadian, and and it's like it's surreal now because I've never had that feeling. Yeah. No, so it's. Oh, yeah. finally, after God knows how many years, I have yeah. to look at other people that are supporting other countries, and I'm here, and I'm like, I gotta pick Spain. I gotta. <laughs> Fabregas is playing for Spain, you know. Yeah. No, so it, it's cool because uh, when every time I was watching Canada, I I felt like, um, like every time things didn't go well, it was sadness. But every time they scored and they won, there was like pure joy. Mm. But it wasn't pure joy as a fan. It was pure joy that I'm Canadian, that that my country is is in the World Cup. You know, so yeah, uh, it's it's incredible, and and I can't wait to uh, experiment experience that feeling in the World Cup because yeah. Uh, because it's going to be surreal. So. Yeah, like, no, like, I feel you because, I mean, I mean, you can't feel how I feel because Lebanon never makes it to the World Cup. <laughs> but, like, you know, with Korea, Korea would always, has consistently made it to the World Cup since, like, like in the 80s, I forget when, or in the 70s. I think they're... Like, yeah. I'll just say one thing that I felt is when they beat South Korea. What, Lebanon? Once, once, I remember, was for 20... For the 2018 World Cup, or I don't know what, but they beat South Korea too. And they fired the coach, by the way, after because they're like, "How can you lose? <laughs> How can you lose against Lebanon?" You know. So, <laughs> and then all of a sudden, the country's like, "Oh, we're 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 going to the World Cup!" Oh my God! And I'm like, "Guys, chill, chill. There's another group, There's another group coming with Japan and all that stuff." Oh and my! God. The only time where I was like, "We beat Korea!" Oh shit! The the, the we we. There, there, there's like a little hope there, you know, <laughs> but it just completely extinguished. But they, they have their own problems. Obviously, they have their own problems. Yeah. But, um, but, but what a feeling! Like it, it, it's good. It's good. It's really yes. Good. And um, it's uh, like, like um, I'm not ashamed now mm. to go to Europe because I'm going to Europe to do my. Um, my UEFA C license. Ooh, okay. And I'm not ashamed to say that I'm Canadian. Yes, in soccer in the soccer uh, <laughs> in the soccer world. So I could be like, yeah, we're in the World Cup, maybe. <laughs> Wait, so where are you going to Europe? Go to Northern Ireland. Oh, it's, okay. Oh, you're awesome, man. Like, wow, that's really cool. Because like, I remember talk. I remember this interview I read where Jose Mourinho, like. There's, there's so many Jose Mourinho quotes that are coming out where he looks like a prophet, where he said these things where everyone was like, oh my God, like he, he had a quote about Eden Hazard. He's like, it's unfair how much he gets fouled. This, like all these fouls he gets will hurt him in the long run with injuries. And look at him in Real Madrid. I'm like, prophet. <laughs> Mourinho's a prophet. <laughs> and, um, and he said something about Canada where he was like, what's happening in Canada is special. Because of what's happening with Alfonso Davies and then Jonathan David and Buchanan, he didn't use those names, but as an example, more scouts will be looking to Canada and will be mining for talent in Canada. So for you as a coach going, I think you're going to be part of that first wave of like Canadian football exposure, which, you know, thank you for doing that. It makes me feel good as a fan that like we're legitimizing our sport here and what we have available here. And, uh, but are you excited to go? Like when are you going? going end of july and for how long uh for seven the course is seven days okay okay so like yeah. a week yeah i'm gonna go nine days because yeah. um vacation yeah <laughs> check places here and there yeah 
but yeah, no, I'm excited. But the, the, the biggest thing for me was, is to network, mm. uh, to network, to meet new coaches. Um, I've been doing a lot of, uh, coaching certification, uh, during COVID. Um, I did one on performance analysis, um, with the States, with the United soccer coaches, which was really good. Um, mm -hmm. uh, met some coaches, uh, over there online, obviously. Um, so it's, it's cool to con connect with coaches outside of, outside the province, outside the city to see like their, their view to see what their structure is. Mm -hmm. Um, but to go to Europe and, and to meet, um, uh, you know, uh, European. European, or it could be people from Asia or from Africa or South yeah. America, um, because UEFA is known for their, for their, for, for their coaching license. So it's going to be, I, I hope it's going to be a good experience. Um, I can't wait to be taught by Irish accent because I love it. I love it. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Um, especially when they call my name, I can't wait to hear that. So, uh, but, uh, but no, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It's, it's, uh, I'm, ex I'm excited for you, man. I'm really excited for you. Yo, dude, you're, we're going to, we're going to talk while you're there. Cause I'm going to be, I'm going to be so curious. Yeah. Dude, that's, uh, that's exciting. Well, yeah. the one thing I do know a lot of Irish people in Northern Ireland and the rest of Ireland are big Liverpool fans. So just do that out there. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to make, I don't want to talk about Arsenal, but there was a moment where I felt like they were doing good and then they're back to like, okay, you're losing again. Arsenal <laughs> for me is uh, like a restaurant that is rated high, mm -hmm. but just disappoints you at the end. <laughs> That's such a good analogy. That's a really good analogy. You know, like, uh, or a Dollarama where like, oh my God, there's so much stuff. There's so much things. Oh, this looks good. And then after that, it just breaks. <laughs> oh. It's Dollarama. Yeah. Oh man. Oh, Arsenal. They'll be back soon. I mean, yeah. Spurs is doing well. So, I mean, oh, you don't, you don't care about that. But anyway, <laughs> but do you, okay. Honest question. Do you feel like uh, someone in your U12 group, do you see like someone with a, that magic something where you're like, oh, you could probably go far. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. I can imagine. You're not just saying this as a coach. You're just saying that's like generally as a, as a football fan and yeah. you're like, yo, this kid could go yeah. far. Yeah. Like I, I, there's this kid that doesn't look like a player where, you know, like he, he stands out mm. in terms of like, taking on players or, 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 uh, very technical with dribbling and, and first touch, but his distribution is just, um, it's just beyond, hmm. it's not just passes. It's just like the weight, uh, the way he curves it because there's a player coming, uh, the way he chips it, knowing that there's, there's, there's he knows someone's going to slide tackle like that's something that it's at a professional level that they, they do it naturally. And that kid already has it, mm. you know, like he, he, he knows how to angle his pass based on the, the pressing yeah. or where the, where the, where the first line of defenders are, you know, like, and he's a center back, he's a center back and he plays as a six. Wow. That's so, a... so already it's like, now he does have <laughs> He still has that, uh, you know, the U12 where they, you know, they dribble places here and there, <laughs> but yeah. there's something in him that, you know, he knows 
he his technique with the like just passing and then because he's a good dribbler and he's a, he has a good first touch but just the passing itself how he breaks line how how he can go around the block it's just it's 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 special you know and, and mm. when i saw that it's like th these things like players have it's like something um that you see at the high level yeah. but it needs to be perfected a little bit more you know with the speed of play and 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 you know other other principles that he has to work on but yeah no i, I like it, there is there is players um my group uh there there is there is uh, some players that um that uh, hopefully will make the academy uh the u15s uh in in two years so so <clears throat> when does the academy start at what age because like right now it sounds like they're on the periphery of the academy and then yeah. you're officially in the academy right so at what age is you said the u15 that's when they're officially in the academy yeah, so a academy is basically a sport etude. Oh, okay. Okay, it's, okay. it's basically um this is where they start sport etude. Um they do half a day of school, half a day at the at the uh, at the training center. And the academy are are in the MLS Next League. Oh, okay. Uh that well, I don't well, they play games in the MLS Next. They play different uh, MLS teams uh around the Around the, the the around North America, mm -hmm. uh, like recently they were in the uh, they were in a Adidas Cup in Dallas. Oh, awesome! With with uh, with other big clubs uh, around North America and Europe. So uh, they, they're they're at that stage U fifteen, U seventeen, U twenty three. This is really the academy. Mm -hmm. uh, the U tens to U fourteen is pre academy. Oh, okay. The U thirteens and the U fourteens play in the league called PLSJQ. That I know. Okay, it's the provincial level, right? The provincial, the national license provincial level. So okay. All the clubs that have the national license, um So, so they they play in that league, and what's cool about it is that um, is that most of the best players will go to those national clubs, mm -hmm. and then it creates a little bit more comp competition. Now, the question was. Does the U four does the U thirteen play in the U fourteen league? That's where they're gonna have to see on on the level if it's good enough uh, for them to compete. Because obviously you wanna you wanna challenge the uh, the impact play, uh, sorry the CF Montreal players. You don't want them to to go yeah. in and and, um, and 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 win seven zero eight zero. You want to make sure that you challenge them and give them the challenge enough. That's why we us as U twelve we play U thirteens. Ah, uh, okay. Because I um. The years before, it was just it, it wasn't challenging them enough. Yeah, and you're creating that winning mentality, not a winning mentality, but a little bit of that. Okay, we we're gonna win. You know, it doesn't yeah. create that. It's good to put them in the losing factor where they have to think, they have to push themselves to another level. How can I? How can I improve? And yeah. that's all missing is that they couldn't ask themselves, "How can I improve?" And um, so, so that's how it is. And now next year, what's going to happen is that there's going to be only U13, U14, mm -hmm. and then the academy. Okay. Okay. Because like, what, what yeah, they're going to do is that the U12s, they're going to they're going to take it out, mm -hmm. and they're going to make it. Uh, um, they're going to try to make it a little bit more similar with the CBCs around the clubs because your selection starts at U13 in most of the clubs. I see. From U12 to U9, it's CBC, which is, uh, which is, uh, uh, it's like uh, a way to anyone can come to training. 
Anyone can register. There's no selection. Yeah. Uh, they go to stations. It's there to have fun. Yeah. They play games in the weekend. There's, you know, it's kind of like summer camp in a way. Yeah. Yeah. It's, well, yeah, but in a structured right, right, right. way. You know, the idea is for them to love the game, to, de- to develop their skills without the, the, the sense of pressure, without the sense of selection, without the sense of tryouts. Yeah. So at that age, they could, you know, have that fun because they feel like if you if you take out that formula, they can maybe develop a little bit more quicker. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and then that's why they, the U13, U14 is more selection uh, process. Okay, because like I remember, um, it was a few weeks ago. So maybe like, I don't know how long all these uh, plans were implemented because I was listening to the, to the MLS podcast, uh, Extra Time, and there's it kind of sounded like... Um, how do I say this? It kind of sounded like Montreal was not, CF Montreal was not participating in, a, in the MLS Next League. But then you just told me that there's a structure that half, let's call it half the structure of the youth system, the U15 academies and whatnot, are in MLS Next. And then the bottom half, if you will, the younger ones are in the, at the national provincial level. So, which honestly, now that's broken down like that, it makes way more sense. It's yeah. it's smart. It's actually way smarter, in my well, opinion. The, yeah. the under twenty threes are play. They're playing in the PLSQ. Okay. Okay. They're playing in the the semi pro league in um, in Quebec. Okay. Uh, so so obviously this the semi pro league. Uh, it, it, I think it's good for the U twenty threes to play in that league because, mm-hmm. um, you know, a team like MRO. That plays the U23, which is a team that's going to play Forge. Yeah. Um, there, there, there is this the the under 23, which is the young the young players. It, it will help them to be you know to play games. Yeah. Okay. But I don't know if they're going to play uh, other clubs. I'm sure they'll play exhibition uh, games like yeah. outside, like in the MLS for sure. Obviously, they have the university teams that they will play exhibition games uh, probably in August, mm-hmm. uh, like University of Montreal. Uh, McGill, uh, Concordia, where they, they, you know, when they start doing their selections for their university, they will play the U23. But it's very important that the U23 play in the league. Yes. It's cost benefit, it's cost efficient, mm-hmm. right? Because obviously you're saving money on traveling. And, yeah. And at the same time, uh, the PLS2 should be, it should be a good league. Yeah. For the, uh, for the under 23. It should be a good league. And, um, and yeah. Yeah, like um, I'm just kind of hoping that at least in Quebec, uh, this will all culminate to a, a CPL team in Quebec. Whether it happens or not, who knows? Uh, I don't think it'll happen in Montreal. I kind of hope it'll happen in Quebec City or Sherbrooke, which I, I don't think will happen in Sherbrooke, but it'll be kind of cool to see it there. But yeah, it's I'm just very interested in how all these developments are happening because these things didn't really exactly exist when we were those ages, you know? And to see it happen now when infrastructure is being imposed and money is being put in and belief, like I think that's the most important word. They believe that this is a worth a worthwhile investment. You know, like I'm just because when I see the Canadian national team, it's like 70% of those players are from Toronto and the GTA, you know, like from Brampton, uh, Mississauga, or even Hamilton, as far as Hamilton. And in Montreal, like we have uh, Maxime Crepeau. Is he? He's from Montreal. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's from Montreal. And then uh, Samuel Piet and 
Kone now, and I'm missing someone else. I'm forgetting another player who is from Quebec. But like, I would like to see more Montreal or Quebec players make it to the national team. Like, that's kind of my vision, and I hope you know the PLSQ does that. It's PLSQ, right? Yeah, yeah. I hope it does that, and um, yeah. It's just. I mean, look, Johnson is a is an example of a player that played in League One and and made it to the top. I mean, mm. Ontario right now. I f- I feel like Ontario right now they're a little bit more advanced in terms of their structure right now because obviously they have a little bit more CPL teams right now. Yeah. And now right now Windsor is going to be one of the next ones. Yes. That are coming. That's right. Um, you have York. You have uh, you have Forge. You have TFC. You have. Uh, I missed one. Anyway. Oh, uh, Ottawa. Ottawa. Sorry. Ottawa. I yeah. Ottawa. Atletico Madrid. <laughs> no big club investing. Sorry, Ottawa. <laughs> then you, have, uh, you have Windsor. You have, you're going to have five. You're going to have five professional clubs in one province. That's amazing. You already have two. And you are going to have three in BC. With yes. Vancouver, which is going to be one of them. Yes. So, and you have two in Alberta. That's pretty so, good. Um, but the difference is that Ontario have they have a, a, a solid League One league mm-hmm. that, you know, could could feed to those CPLs or mm-hmm. to, the, to the TFC or whatever. So um, Quebec is starting to implement it. They're starting, it's it's starting to, you know, all these structures that we're creating, the PLSQ, the, the merge of the, the three semi-pro leagues together, um, it, it's starting to um, to develop slowly. It takes time, but it's starting to develop slowly. And uh, yeah. and the the main thing is we don't want to oversaturate uh, the number of PLSQ clubs in the province or else um, then will it be as competitive as other leagues, you know? Mm. So um, it's important to keep it uh, the right number to give opportunities for players for sure, but not uh, give it too easy. Yeah. Yeah. Like, um, so you spoke about oversaturation. I think that's a good, I think that was a really good point. It's would it be oversaturation to have an, a CPL team in Quebec? No. No. Yeah. No, I, I, I don't think so. Um, or let me rephrase. Would it be oversaturation if there's a CPL team in Montreal? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. I, I think that's an important uh, distinction we have to make here. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I see I, that. I, I think so because um, my opinion is that hockey is a little bit more bigger in in Quebec than um, well one one is population. You know, obviously Ontario yes. has a bigger population, um, but um, from from a Quebec perspective. Um, it's 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 growing, but not to a point where we're gonna put uh, a second team because already uh, CF Montreal is already they have already a lot of problems. Yeah, with with the fan base and 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 what's yeah. going on with the ultras. So already to put another club right now, it's um, I, I think it's on standby. I think probably I I heard like for example, there's there's. There was Laval that were that they were talking about maybe Laval to be uh, to be that that club mm-hmm. that could be there. I heard also Quebec City. I heard someone told me Blackville was one of one of them that, okay. that were that were that were maybe interested. You need to find the, the someone that's going to sponsor you and, and the ownership and and all that stuff. So, um, 
Toronto is a big, it's, it's a big city. It's huge it's population. City. Yeah. yeah. Four, four professional teams, four or five professional teams. Like that's have, max. Like that. Yeah. We're yeah. talking about Raptors and Blue Jays. Just not talking about Alouettes. We're talking about like, yeah, North American League. So, so, um, it's crazy. It's crazy how Ontario soccer, like it's, it's to have three, four clubs in Ontario is incredible. Yeah. And that's what we're, um, that's what we're trying to do is can we get, get to that level where, you know, we have a lot of fans of soccer, mm. but you always have those fans that, you know, they, they, they're, they're pure hockey fans. They, they don't accept soccer and yeah. oh, it's just, it's fine, but, um, they're two different sports. Mm. So. If, if there's one thing I did, like I went to that uh, Canada-Jamaica game and the one thing I did notice among the fans, at least one out of three fans wore hockey jerseys, like uh, Canadian national men's hockey jerseys or just, you know, the national hockey uh, team jersey. And I realized that they're new soccer fans. And I'm like, I hope this happens in Quebec. Like I said in the other episodes where Quebec tends to move slower than the rest of the country or especially slower than Ontario because, you know, Quebec just has their own pace let's call it a <laughs> it's got a french pace the french pace is slower and and it's uh i think that could happen and this is why i feel like having more quebec players on the national team would help that cause where they see samuel piet or let's say mathieu chouanier makes it on the team Zachary Bourguillard is more is featured more often on the team it could help quebec be like oh like we see a lot of us on that team and they are doing well and a CPL team would help that. Uh, I would like to see it in Quebec City, but I would love to see it in Laval. That Laval-Montreal rivalry would be insane. It would be so much fun to watch. And I think uh, Blainville, Blainville in the Canadian Championship, they had a good showing and they gained, it seemed like they gained a lot of respect as a semi-pro team. And then now with like uh, Outremont Montréal making in the Canadian Championship, I feel like if they do well, they play well, if they at least win one game, uh, it will help that cause. And I just, to me, my hope is at least one CPL team in Quebec. I would love to see that. Yeah, but we, we saw the same problem with the women's national team. We don't have enough Quebecer players on the national team. It's yeah. All Ontario and NBC. We don't, we don't have enough Quebecers. I mean, and that's, that's also, that's also part of the restructuring. Also, they restructured their own, uh, their own uh, development process uh, for the, for the women, you know? So, yeah. Um, it's it's look the, the 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 good thing is that um they are not um silent about it they are uh-huh. they're they're making actions to make sure that we we get to that level so that's a good thing i mean there there is a restructure there is they know that we need that and they know that you know even though we don't have a cpl team or well, what can we do with what we have mm. and so far uh, we're in the second year of the restructuring right now, um, and it takes time. It takes time. It takes at least, and like like an eight year old to go through that process to go to the academy. Well, it takes eight years. Mm. So it, it's a process. So yeah, the idea is that can we ride that um, that bandwagon of uh, that ride that wave of 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 this this achievement that Canada had accomplished and ride it with all the things that we're adding because at the end of the day we don't want to miss the boat in 2030 mm. you know like we want to keep riding that boat 
So you implement all these things. And obviously when you get the funds uh, that you, you get because of you qualify, you get $40 million and, 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 um, and money that you could uh, reinvest to, to maybe build your own national training center to, to, uh, uh, sponsor a bit, the CPL to, to get, look for, um, look for sponsors. Like right now, when I watched this, watched the uh, one soccer, I saw Gatorade. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, Gatorade. <laughs> yeah. The <laughs> biggest energy drink in the world. Yeah. Like, there you go. Like, this is the, this is the effect that's going on right now. And, and, yeah. and the, the first thing that Canada needs is a training center. I heard there, maybe I'm conflating the information, but I'm I, in Toronto, Woodbine, you know that Woodbine, they're building a, that responsibly, but like a, I heard they're building like a train facility. I don't know if that was for uh, yeah, I think, York I think, United. Yeah. And, but it's last I read, it sounded like a training facility for the national team as well. I, I think it's, it's also to be used for the, for the national team. Which is awesome. And I think it's a, a positive step forward. Uh, I, I well, that's, the, what, that's what Costa Rica did when they qualified in 2014. But it makes sense. Like they, they put it in a training center because you need that. You need that. You need to bring everyone in one place and have their own training center like England or Clairefontaine in France. Yes. You, you need to have one. I mean, uh, it's not just for the, for, for, for the, not, for the men, men and women, but we're talking U20, U23, U17, U15. Mm. Use those facilities to go there and, and, and train. And maybe have, look, maybe have two. Maybe have one in the East Coast, one in the West Coast. Mm. You know? I, I, I love that because it reminds me of something that Klopp said when he first took the Liverpool job and he was saying uh, they need to get out of Melwood because the one thing he noticed was Melwood, you know, being the traditional training facility of Liverpool Football Club. But like the one thing he noticed that the youth academy did not practice on Melwood because there wasn't enough space. So they built this entire new training facility where the senior team could practice alongside the youth academy. And he, and I loved his explanation. He was like, the youth academy need to visibly, physically see the senior players and interact with them if they ever want to make it to the senior team. So they understand what it takes. They see that professionalism. They see the inspiration. And for Canada to do that and to combine youth and the senior together, I'm like, it has yeah. to happen. It has to happen. I mean, it's, it's uh, like, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you something that happened last year with my U9s that mm -hmm. we were playing. Um, we were playing a team from Quebec City. Okay. And uh, it was on a Sunday. And every Sunday morning, the pros would train uh, at, because there's two turf fields and then there's a natural field. And they would go train on the natural field to do like a recovery session. So mm -hmm. the players that haven't played, they will do a regular session. And the ones that did play 90 minutes or, or there's certain criteria, I don't know what, uh, they, they would do a recovery session on the field. And what was cool for the kids that they would see the pros walking to the field and not just from a, um, from a pre-academy purpose, but the fact that they could, a pro would literally come and say, hey, you want to come train with us? You know, like he took mm. one of my players to go like pass the ball uh, with the pros. And for him, it meant the world to him. And then of course. he goes, goes and he asks me, coach, can I go, uh, can I go train with the pros? Like, can I leave the game? I'm like, no kidding. You go leave the game. Go, go right away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, so, it's, it's invaluable. Yeah, it's valuable. And then I remember one, uh, one, one kid, 
one kid bought a red card at U9, by the way. And it's a long story. I don't know. If he, I don't know. I don't know. Like something like he, like he did something bad. Anyway, he went on the bench. I had to put him on the side. And then Laura Sima came. Uh, oh, wow. And sold him and gave him uh, his shoes, uh, a signed pair of shoes. For Laura Sima, man. I, I mean, love that man. I mean, I mean, at the same time, I'm like, that's amazing, Laura. That's great. Don't occur. <laughs> like, the kid got a red card. And, Don't reward him. <laughs> but in my defense, he didn't know what happened. So, but, but as a joke of like kids, if you want to get shoes, get a red card. You know? <laughs> but uh, no, but, but after that, he, um, you know, he, he, he behaved and he became a different player after mm. those little moments, you know, because you're in the same ground, all these little moments. You never know. Like these little moments will be like if they get they get interviewed at U19 is because uh, you know when I when I went in the the training ground while the pros were training, I knew I wanted to be a pro. Yeah, like I mean, I mean, there's that famous video of Ronaldo's resigned for United, and you you saw that old video of him. Uh, what is it with Jesse Lingard? I think doing like skills and stuff, and it's like. Imagine Jesse Lingard hadn't been in that video and ha- didn't have that moment with Cristiano Ronaldo. Maybe he didn't make it. Who knows, right? It's like, you never know. Like, like you said. Yeah. It's, um, you know, I'm just, I'm, to, to me, it makes you feel optimistic because in the short term, I think most Montreal fans feel this way. We're very pessimistic. I call us, uh, no, the term I used in the last episode was called curious optimists or, or not curious optimists, uh, cautious optimist or something like that where basically like we want to be optimistic but we don't buy into it right away because something might bite us in the ass you know and that's us in the short term but when i see all these projects and restructuring i feel far more confident that it might not happen now but maybe 10 years down the line we're going to see a completely different cf montreal we're going to see a completely different provincial team or um, you know who knows what we'll see and i'm feeling good about it yeah no me too me too i think um Look, at the end of the day, the, 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 they're, they're in the right direction. It's just a matter of time to see if it's really, um, if it's, uh, if it's showing, uh, results, but yeah. at the end of the day, like, um, uh, the, the, the next generation of players for Canada, for example, the U15s, I think two, three years ago, yeah, that, uh, that, uh, I think they won the the Concacaf uh, um, tournament over there, U15. I think four okay. years ago. But okay. but just to show you that there's a new generation, like even with the academy players that are developing in a in an environment that uh, exposes them to 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 play, um, you know, like to play MLS clubs, uh, other U, other U15, U17 MLS clubs. But at the same time, they're in an environment where they have a physical preparator, they have a mental preparator, they have uh, um, physios to help them, they have the, they have the facility to, to, to do their studying, facility to do training, recovery, mm-hmm. um, nutritionist. Uh, they have all these things. And what's cool is that now what Canada Soccer is implementing to the amateur clubs is that, look, we want to be like that. Mm. We want to be like, we want to have a physical preparator. We want to have, you need to have a physio in your club. You need to have a head of physio. You know, like a lot of clubs didn't have that. 
right? For AAA, we would, you know, you 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 would have a someone to to, to do the games, but now you have a physio for the club. Nice. Uh, a physical player, a physical preparator for the club, a goalie coach for the club, mm. uh, a document that says the way of play. How do we play? How is what's our philosophy as a club? Mm. Documentations on how do we attract uh, girls to play soccer? How do we attract more boys to play soccer? Um, how do we prevent players from quitting? Like, there's all these things that that. Um, it's a lot of documentation, but it's a lot of resources that, um, you know, it requires people, but at the same time, money, people, and time. That when you add all this stuff, it it's it's good that now not only the academies, obviously, they have a bigger, better facility. Yeah. Right. Because they have the time fields, they have the, their own facility. Other clubs, they have to use other places because of winter and. Mm. and whatsoever so it's good that amateur clubs and semi-pro clubs are starting to 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 get to that direction and and all the little details wearing the same uniform uh having the same uh philosophy as as coaches methodology um Mm -hmm. um it's it's nice to see go on a field you 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 go to like for example if you go to beneval one day and you drive to beneval um, and you and you see the CBCs that are going on, and you see like a, a, just a wave of soccer players on the field, coaches with the same uniform, pug nets, uh, hurdles, uh, hoops, ladders, uh, games going on. It's nice. It's good. It's a it's a great uh, vibe for the community. It's mm. good for the kids. It has a nice impression that we. Why can't we be like them? Yeah. All those simple stuff, you know, like wearing the same thing gear. Uh, to look proper, but to act proper, and and um, and that's that's the thing is that when you set that example, you know it it it, and the other clubs follow, then hopefully they push each other to to be to become better, and at the same time help the players achieve a different level. Yeah, like it's like I said, like I'm just, I'm just happy that because when we were growing up. When you played soccer, it was very amateur. It was like mom and dad coached and you just kind of did hockey drills as warm-ups and stuff like that. You know what I mean? It was like, it was, it wasn't taken seriously. And I like the fact that as you're saying, they're taking it more seriously and it's leaving a better impression where they're like, oh, this is legit. It's not like something you do on the weekends. You know what I mean? Well, we used to do laps. That that's was it. our warm-up. <laughs> yeah, that's it. It was, it was uh, or, or we would take shots before a game. Mm. You know, that was our warm-up. Um, then I switched club and there was a different structure when I played. And it was like, there was dynamic stretch. There was possession. There was this, there was that. And I was like, oh my God. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know about that, but it, it's um, it's better because when you visit other clubs that you've seen in the past that used to do that, then you, you're like, okay, it is getting better. It is improving. There is a structure now. Is it perfect? No. Uh, obviously, all all clubs have their own flaws. All clubs have things to work on, but at least it's getting better, and that's that's the good thing. We're not they're, they're, the the thing that the CSA has implemented is helping, and all that. And yeah, we we used to like it's um, physical preparation. What you know, run run around a park was was our physical preparation. We would call it cardio. Yeah. yeah. 
you need to get your cardio ready. No? <laughs> yeah. We never we didn't talk about coordination, uh, motors, uh, vivacity, uh, reaction, yeah. explosiveness. No, it was like run, go go to Centennial Park and run. Yeah, Centennial Park. <laughs> yeah, I know what you meant. Like it's um, when I that, that's what it was. They're like run two laps around the pitch. All right, pass the ball, pass the ball to each other, and that's it. Well, I like um, we uh, look like we. Ha I remember when I played for Abit, we had a we had a coach that was a little bit old fashioned, mm -hmm. and uh, we would do like pure physical preparation drills where uh with sprints uh suicides push-ups you know like things yeah. where like i i was fit to play <laughs> like i i was like like it was it, it was brutal because the thing the, the problem is that i was playing uh i remember i was playing u21 AAA, right with lakeshore and i was playing for john abbott and the thing is that there were two different types of coaches one was all about you know everything was with the ball mm. Your warm up, your physical, all with the ball. Okay. Um, because it's John Abbott and the season is shorter and you want to make sure to be fit and under what, uh, it would be like half an hour, no ball, but like run, like sprints, suicides, uh, you know, yeah. and then you work on the tactical part after. Um, so, but it evolved. It, it evolved because right now you could do a 3v3. And, and just, um, just adding the component of like, um, competition or, uh, you're working on pressing or you're working on themes that bring intensity, because obviously if you're working on your, your, your physicality or you're working on sprinting, you need to know why am I sprinting mm. or what, you know, like, yeah. is it to press? Is it to defend? Is it to make runs? And then why not use that and put it into like a, a soccer context where there is intensity, but at the same time there is, you know, you're learning on the strategy, you're learning on, for example, where, where every time we lose the ball, we want to press. Mm. So instead of doing all these sprints, why don't we do it in the context of losing the ball? That way, yeah. you that's how you also gain because now you're, you're hitting two birds with one stone. Mm. So, it's like warm-ups. We would do laps. We were kids and we would do laps. Why waste time on laps where you could literally warm up with a ball? Yeah. And you know what? Like that kind of reminded me of uh, the training I had at, when I used to play double A LaSalle where it was, I remember every second week, it was just physical endurance training where you run laps and do drills and without the ball. And then that like one week was with the ball and tactics. And the other week was just, you know, physical drills. And there's one workout that just healed me was, uh, we run suicides all up, up and down the pitch, except yeah. when running back to where you started, you run backwards and it would just destroy my quads. I remember the first time I did it, I was like, I fucking hate this. And in game, it made sense. Cause there will be moments where you're going to have to run backwards. Let's say the ball is like coming towards you. You can't turn your back on it. You got to run backwards. And I realized that I was stronger running backwards. Whereas the other guy was probably a little more unsure about it. Right. And it was just like, it was in that, now that you bring it up, it's in those moments where I realized like, oh, those, those workouts make sense. Now when we lose the ball, I, I'll chase you wherever I'll chase you. I don't care. Like I'll chase you. And again, it was a little suicide workouts and, you know, doing laps or what, so on and so forth. 
the only thing I wish is that I wish my uh, the coach is one of my friend's uh, brother and I love him, but like, you know, I wish you were a little better as a coach, but <laughs> tactically at least, tactically. Because like, I remember his, because uh, they were like co-coaches. There's two coaches, his yeah. buddy was a coach. And every time he'd lose, he'd say something where I'm like, to me, it's a meme now where he's like, hey guys, just put the ball in the net. I'm like, no shit. That's what we're doing right now. And that's like, every time we're losing, just guys, just put the ball in the net. I was like, what, what do you think we're doing? But anyway, uh, that's a side note. But like, to your point, it's, um, uh, I kind of like the fact that you're, as you're saying, is like the philosophy is shifting or it's becoming a little more practical and realistic, you know? Yeah, it's, it's all part of this coaching education where, uh, coaches are, 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 you know, they, they, they are learning, they are, um, they understand the, why are we doing that? Mm -hmm. Um, I, um, never, I would like, when you get to a point where you're at U 16, U 17. So for my U 16 AAA team that I, I, I'm not the head coach anymore. Yeah. Um, but like, for example, on Thursdays, they do uh, mobility work without mm. the ball. Or they do injury prevention, which is fine. Yeah, you know it's it's fine because it's an it's it's an addition, other than training two to three times a week. It's it it adds to that injury prevention because they're at that age where, you know, injuries are going to start. Right. Yeah. At U eight, at U nine, at U ten, at U eleven, or at U twelve to fourteen, they're still young, and even at U fifteen, they're still at a point where. Um, you could do coordination work, no problem, because coordination, you don't need the ball. You have yeah. to use your footwork or whatever. But at some point, your variation after is that you have to have a ball now. Mm. You know, so maybe like I do I do a hoop, I, I jump on a hoop, okay, I dribble, but, but get the ball to dribble somewhere to the next exercise and then do the, the physical activity after. There's always a way. Mm. Like there, there, there's always a way. Like for example, you're, you were talking about uh, sprinting backwards. Yeah. No, if I if I was the guy, I would I would do it in a more uh, like I just like yeah pop something right away. Was that maybe have you know your back four, right? Your, right. your back four. You have a coach with you if you have a coach. Yeah. And hit a long ball. To maybe one of the center backs and let the others do backwards, go backwards. So mm -hmm. do the movement as a as a as a uh, shadow play. Yeah. But at the same time, don't just stop. Just make it intense. Okay, go back. Look. Okay, play. Boom. And then they do it. Like there's like literally three seconds of recovery. Because mm, that's more realistic to game. Exactly. So so um, that that's what I that's 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 a little bit my philosophy a bit is is and that's the challenge what can we do what what physical activities can you implement directly to your 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 session with a ball yeah it makes sense because like i remember when i was uh 16 i wasn't really playing at any like i was only playing the korea league right and i remember talking to an older player on my team who's played double a triple a and i asked him i was like how do you improve because i watched him dribble and he was a great dribbler and i was like what do you do to like work on dribbling is like i go to a park I run laps around the pitch with a ball. That's all you need to do. Because it's like, you need to get comfortable dribbling with the ball. And once you are comfortable running with the ball at any pace, try not to look at the ball while you're running. So you can constantly yeah. just look left to right, left to right, see who's open. And That's it was like, like small things like that. 
Yeah, I I read a book, Johan uh, Johan Cruyff. Oh. Uh, he he said in his book that when he was young and he used to study, he would have a ball uh, under his table. Yeah, like, just like while he's studying, he's just touching the ball. Yeah, when he goes to eat, he touches the ball at the same time. You know, like, um, but yeah, I mean, it's 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 all it's all repetition. Mm. It's all repetition and. Um, but yeah, it, it, it has evolved. It, it has evolved. It's like I said, it's still not perfect because sometimes I see things that, you know, <laughs> uh, I'm like, are we, we're still here yet? Like, <laughs> yeah, but, but it's normal. It's normal because, you know, you have new coaches, they're new in it. Maybe they're old school and they're not up to date to what's, what's, what's going on. Um, but, um, I, I feel like it's slowly progressing and this is a good sign for, for soccer in Quebec, but also in Canada. I think so too. And I, I think what also helps with this current generation is that, at least this is my experience, is that whenever I want to learn how to play and do new techniques or, or tricks or whatever, I just go on YouTube and see how the pros do it. And I try to replicate that. And then it kind of kicks up the imagination, what you do on the pitch. It's like, I seen this guy do it. Maybe I could pull it off. And then you pull it off and you build confidence and you're like, you perfect that, let's say that one move that always worked for you, you know? Yeah. And, and I feel like now because Canada has been so deprived of, of, of soccer for so long, we went to YouTube to see all these things. Yeah. And then now we're at a crossroads where the infrastructure is not in place. YouTube is giving us this imagination of what we could do. Like you want to do that crazy Thierry Henry you know, half volley that he did, you know, at Highbury. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, yeah. It's a it's an exciting time, and I think um, now they use TikTok now for the kids. Yeah, they use yeah, I forgot. Oh. Oh, God, we're so old now. <laughs> YouTube, <laughs> but yeah, but but that's the thing. It's um, I'm just uh, I'm kind of going back to Ismail Kone, seeing him play. I'm sort of excited what the the youth academy structure has to produce next. You know, hopefully one of them was one of your that U12 kid that you were talking about, you know, like it's, to me, it's exciting. Like to me, there's, there's a, there's a future that's exciting to look forward to. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, it's, um, I mean, I mean, Kone, Kone, I, I think he played like, I don't think he played in the academy. I think he went no. right away to the pros. But, which is wild. Which is, which is a, um, a sign that there's some players that, you know, you never know what you have in the clubs. Mm. And that's why um, I know for, for the fact that Sef Manchal is trying their best to find better ways to to filter, identify the best players in the province mm-hmm. uh, with this new restructuring, which is great. So that, um, you know, uh, even though it could happen that there's a player that, you know, emerges from amateur clubs, but at the same time, they can identify them uh, sooner than just, you know, a U19 or a U18 or, you know, they signed them when he was 18. Yeah. Um, so, so it's good because it pushes the, the CF Montreal to, to be better in their scouting. Mm-hmm. It pushes off, off so the amateur clubs to push themselves to, to develop players. And all these, uh, all these, um, all these affiliations that they're doing right now, it, it does help to to have uh, people on ground with other clubs to to, uh, to find those players. Yeah, it's like I said, it's a, it's exciting times, and then uh, with 
the Canadian national team make it to the World Cup is great. Uh, oh, okay. This is not random, but related. Uh, is it about time that Canada has a women's professional league? Because we have the CPL. And I'm like, why is all the Canadian women's players going to... I mean, going to Europe is great. It's, I feel like that should be the end goal. But why are a lot of them starting their careers in the States? You know what I mean? Like, I remember asking Christine Sinclair once uh, at like a press conference, like, is it about time to have a professional women's team in Canada? She's like, yeah, no question. Cap, yes. So do you think it's viable? Like, is it going to happen? I capital letter W E S. Yes. Yes. I think the first thing they need to do is get a team. They mm. need to get a team in the country before thinking of getting a league. We need to get a, a team, um, whatever it takes, because I think, um, for me, it's, it's, uh, it's a bit with the men's also, because we didn't, we never, we never had a league until we had three teams in the, uh, or four teams in, in the country. Yeah. Back then was Ottawa or Edmonton, one of the two, but, um, it's, it's, uh, it's good to maybe have two teams, mm. uh, compete, uh, to, to see how the react, like to see for me, it's, it's more of, uh, going one step at a time. Mm. You don't want to throw something and it's not going to be sustainable. Um, because obviously, um, the women's market is, uh, it's different than, uh, the MLS, uh, market because in the women's side, they are one of the best leagues in the world. Yeah. Right. The UWSL. Yeah. So for sure they're going to, they could attract, uh, players from Europe or, or the Americans. So, um, for sure they need two at least two or three teams in that league, um, uh, to, to, to have an exposure in Canada soccer. Mm. And to give a chance also for the women's player. Afterwards, um, they they do need a league. I, I definitely think they do need a league because um, I feel, and, and I've said it to many uh, uh, colleagues of mine, I feel like um, I'm, I'm very proud that they won the gold medal. I yes. think it's a super thing what they achieved. Same, yes. But um, there's a big piece missing. Mm. There's a big piece missing because what's going on is that the Europeans are catching up very quickly. Yeah, really quick, actually. Very quickly. Um, and it, it's a matter of time until the Europeans win, become dominant. Obviously, the Americans, with all the infrastructures they have in NCAA and, and the league itself, um, it's a matter of how many games can you like, like at the end of the day, what's crazy that a, uh, a, a player can say, I, I want to play for Manchester United. Yeah. They never had that feeling. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, when you're in a family, you're watching games all together and, and you know, you're watching EPL. Um, and then one girl, she, she goes like, yeah, I'm an Arsenal fan. Uh, I want to play for Arsenal. I want to play for Chelsea. Mm. It's, it's crazy. It's, it's, um, it's cool because you have, it's cool to cheer a same club and, and, and to play for the same club, whether you're a man or, or a woman. Uh, so it's, it's cool. Mm. And, um, we don't have that. No, we don't have that here. That's, that's, that's a major issue. And, and, uh, as much as the restructuring of clubs and all that, and the new 
uh, National Training Center at, at Laval uh, for Quebec. Mm -hmm. They've changed their program and all that. They still need, um, they still need a league. No. Yeah. Well, first they need teams, mm -hmm. but then uh, a league. I, I think for me, it's like at least Toronto is always a, the best market for anything in Canada. So at least have a women's team in Toronto. Let's say a women's TFC. We'll just throw that name out there, right? A women's TFC that joins that American league. And if they do well, maybe add a Vancouver team, maybe add a Montreal team, maybe add an Ottawa team. And then yeah. once you got enough teams, it's like, all right, we'll just do our own league, you know? And it's, and the reason why I, I said teams first is yes. because you wanna you wanna um, you wanna see what would be the uh, the um, what would be the, the the input of players that really that that what would be the reaction because at the end of the day there's some players they don't want to play pro there's some just want to go to university mm. uh, some don't want to maybe continue is it gonna is it gonna is, is there gonna be a wave of players where it's gonna um, like um, is there like a lot of players where they are interested in playing professional? Yeah, because we don't know that. Mm. We don't know that. We we don't know that um, because it's it's an it's a it's 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 a growing it's a growing area that's growing really fast. Okay, and um, compared to the Americans, because the Americans they have much more, we have less. Yeah. So is it gonna create that? Um, um, that that the desire to make professional uh right away you know like mm. you know i'm gonna go play pro yeah um so it's it's a matter like i i don't know what the i don't know how to say it as a word um you want to say in arabic <laughs> no but it's like a base it's a baseline yeah okay baseline yeah like, like a foundation you got, you got no yeah like you got to see like um because there's a lot of things the marketing the the, the oh it's kind of like everything like the players the player interest like everyone is interested to play pro right but mm. you know you want to like much, test out the waters how many are um, how many how much do we have that are actually can play in that league i see yeah and okay and uh maybe after three four years and then start building a league mm. in the future you know so they, there's a lot of studies they have to see a lot of studies but for sure they need uh they need a team, they need a couple of teams, and they need a league. Yeah, so basically just have one pro team, one pro women's team, just to see how it all works as uh, like a case study. Uh, uh, two, I think two. Two? Okay. I, I think, think two. they need two teams. I don't think that's crazy. I think two teams could work. One Vancouver, East Coast. Vancouver is, they should have one. Mm. They should have one. Uh, and also one in Toronto, I would say. One in Toronto. Um, and... Uh, and build from that, I think that because I think, I think, look, and, and this is the, um, you know, do you want to have two teams in the NA, what was it, the uh, North American League? Yes. Or you make a league on your own? I think it's, I, I think what you said is more logical where it's have one or two teams in the American League, see how that works out. And if it's successful and all the numbers are right and everything is aligned, start looking into a Canadian women's team or league rather, and then go from there. Kind of like the CPL, right? For the CPL, what, Ottawa, Edmonton, and there's probably one more Canadian team I'm blacking out on that was part of the American League, NASL, and then yeah. that worked. And then I was like, okay, this is CPL. And now the CPL is wildly successful, better than better than the Canadian, what's so the the CFL, probably better than CFL at this rate. 
uh, which is already great. It's a good step up. So yeah, because you need money. It's all money. Also, it's all money. money. Um, Like for sure, like for sure around the country, there's players that want to play pro. hundred percent. It's just like, yeah, it's a matter of, um, uh, how can I say? Don't, let's not rush into it. Mm. Like, let's not rush into getting a league, but let's study it properly because I, 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 I'm on board and having a league. Yes. But the reason why I'm saying that is because I want it to be sustainable. Yes. That's, that's for me the main thing. Yeah. That's, that's the main thing is can we have a susta- sustainability in giving opportunities for these, uh, these uh, women athletes to, to, to be at the, at the level. And, and I've, Look, I've coached girls, you know, and yeah. I, I've seen I've seen talent, and I I wish that they had all, you know, all the opportunities they have in the country. But um, it's it's difficult. It's really difficult mentally, also for them, yeah. because it's like uh, what I have to go play in university to make the national team. Do I have to do this to make the national team? Like, mm. what, like where can I play other than semi pro in Quebec? Like, it, yeah, it, it's and like not. Just like the men, not all girls are made for school, you know, just like the men, you know what I mean? It's like, for, like that being said, it's like not everyone wants to go to university because they know that's not for them. You know, they just want to focus on this thing. Yeah, so I, it doesn't stop them from studying, you know, like it doesn't yeah. stop them from studying outside of, of soccer, you know, like, yeah, for me, for me, I, I don't know, like for sure in Europe, they have programs where uh, you're going to play pro, you know, but they're affiliated with the university. Mm, okay. Study. Like yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure they have. Yeah. Um, but but the Europeans they're 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 on another level right now. They have a Champions League. Yeah, they, they mean, sold out. I I I, I, I know. They sold out one of the biggest stadiums in the world. Yes, ninety thousand. So you have potential, you know. So that's 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 to show you that it, they they are because they're putting so much money, and that's mm-hmm. why when I'm saying like Canada, uh, they, to put the money, okay. The difference is that they 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 have a they, they have a soccer there's a soccer culture already over there in Europe. Mm. If you do it in for hockey, it's a little bit more difficult. Right. Hockey over there would be a little bit like our situation with soccer mm. with the girls with the girls, you know. Yeah. So because there's a soccer culture, there is this buzz. There is this uh, you know that that uh, the feeling of yeah we're gonna support the the girls and the boys um, for Barcelona and Real Madrid, which is yeah. Great, and I think it's and and to see like a a lot of young girls watching uh, those games to get inspired to be players just pushes the the boundaries of soccer and and in the women's program. So um, it, it's 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 important that um, to understand which where are we exactly, mm-hmm. you know, where are we exactly in terms of soccer culture, but at the same time we can't forget the achievement that the girls have done throughout the years and not give them the opportunity to ride that wave and and build that 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 opportunities for these girls and keep it sustainable as mm. much as you can you know and who's going to fund it is it going to be clubs like a CPL club that's going to have their own women's program is yeah. going to be it, it, these are all questions to to out that's why when i say like you know to have a team or two just to start because because the league it's easier to find find a team to get owners whatever to build a league and find eight teams to to make a league right yeah. so 
So for me, it's important that they have uh, teams immediately uh, for those girls to, to play. Yeah, I totally agree. I totally agree because winning a gold medal was a lot of work, but you need to keep that going by yeah. having more talent coming through. And, you know, and it's, um, you can only do that if you have a professional system in place and whether one team or one league, what have you, it, it needs to happen. So uh, I really hope it does happen. Uh, like I said, I'm optimistic and I hope if, if let's say the women's team wins the World Cup, let's just say, I feel like that will put more pressure. I mean, like the one thing that everyone brought up when the women's team won the gold medal, how many viewers in Canada watched that game, which I think was like 4.4 million, which is a lot. That's a lot of people to wake up at like 8 a.m., 6 a.m. to watch that game. Like it's, that's yeah. not nothing, you know? That's not yeah, no, but but uh, it's, they can't, they can't stay quiet about this. No, that's it. And they, they, they can't at all. And it's, it's, um, it's a shame. Like it's it's a little bit embarrassing mm. to have a country to win the gold medal and not uh, and a gold medal in the women's soccer is it's not easy. It's not easy. It's almost equivalent to a World Cup. Almost. Yes, you know. So, um, it it it's a little bit embarrassing for yes. for us. But I hope. And what's cool is that their player, they're like. Christine Sinclair, which is, you know, one of the greatest of all time, that as an ambassador of all this, yeah. she's not silent about this. Yeah. She's known internationally now. Uh, it's, it's, it's good now that we have those players that, yeah, we need a team, guys. Like, seriously. Yeah. No. Like, uh, it's, it's ridiculous that we don't have a team. We just uh, won the gold medal. We, what is this? Yeah. At least one franchise. Yeah. yeah at least one. one. Just one club. And, minimum uh, one. Minimum. It's not so hard. I, I like. I'm hoping that there's someone that we don't know that's doing all the work, and we just they just haven't announced it yet. That's what I'm hoping. Uh, you know what's the problem? You know what's the problem, Jason, is that a lot of people, a lot of like, a lot are afraid to venture in the unknown. Yeah. 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 That that's that's the problem. It's all about money, getting it back, and all that stuff. And yeah. right, that's, that's the problem. I mean, if if that's why I said, that's why I said, like, it's good to, to see with one or two teams because a lot are afraid. Now, if you, if you have someone that says, you know what, I'm taking the risk, I'm going to go for it. I think from our studies, we're going to get the viewers, we're going to get the money, we're going to get, we're going to keep it sustainable. And then it goes and then people watch it, people get interested in it and everything starts growing. And then we're like, hey, you know what, this is, this is good. Mm. This is good. You know what? Let's, should we add two more teams or should we make our own league? Mm. I, yeah, that's what I'm hoping. That's generally oh, what like I'm hoping. It's, it's, it's the reasonable, what you said is the reasonable path. Start with one club or two, see where it goes from there. Yeah. If the numbers are right, we'll start a league or add another team. Like it's with, it's, it's the same thing. The, the men's went through the same, uh, yeah. they went through the same path. Yeah. With with uh, like right before like we like we didn't have a we didn't have an MLS team before. No, and we had TFC that went in, and then Whitecaps, and then yeah, Montreal, yeah, and then now we have an entire league. Yeah, I mean before before the the USL and the NASL. Yeah, you know, we never we like we had teams going there, come and go, but it were not sustainable. Mm. 
you know like this this is this is the reason because we still live in a country that's that um it's 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 a it's a sport that's growing yeah and um and also like like they don't like they're not promoting enough women's sports that's the problem also yes yes and that's what i think christine sinclair and most of the national women's team have been complaining about is that you're not we just want the gold medal and oh, we're man. not being shown on like big tv networks you know yeah, like I, I will never forget that moment um when i was coaching the u17 AAA in, in 2019 and we played uh we played Monterey. yeah it was the, 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 what we were, we were the, them, us, and our team from Quebec City, we were the three that were, you know, the, the, the top teams. And, uh, they were the favorites to, to go, to finish first. Yeah. So they were the fa- favorite. And I will never forget that night when I, we, we came, we, we were in Laval, uh, away playing them. And I will never forget the eyes of those girls when I went in the locker room and they just looked like they were going to kill someone. <laughs> yeah, I love that look. I love that. And I swear to God, I did not say one single thing. Mm. I just said, girls, you know the game. Let's go. And I kid you not, Jason, there were 22 hyenas <laughs> mashing each other, chasing the ball. And it was one of the best games I've ever seen. One of the best I've ever seen in, in women's soccer. Like it was pure, like it was rivalry after rivalry. Mm. We won, we won four, three last minute. Nice. The last minute, um, and emotion, intensity, desire, tackle. And I remember one guy, one of, one of, one guy was watching the game after the game, he came to. Man, I wouldn't want to be in that field, man. <laughs> terrifying, you know. And I remember one girl; she was like pure adrenaline, but it was just so intense. Like it mm. was, it was a point where what I'm trying to say is that you will you will see some. There's some good games. In yes, there's some good good games. Good players. Um, a U17 AAA game for me was like. Like even I was on adrenaline. Like I was on my bed, I couldn't sleep. I think I slept at four a.m. in the morning, and I had work. Like I don't know what time, and I was just rewinding the tape, and I was like, "What the hell did I just witness?" Yeah, like one of the best games you that you like, ever watched. What the hell did I just witness? And yeah, it was just it was just not normal. It was <laughs> not normal, but it was it was like, and to see girls come watch the game like. Our, our younger generation to see that it was just amazing because it's just this is what this is what it is this is yeah. how it is you know so um it, it's it's there, there is some good players there's some good teams there's some, some good stuff that you could see from it so um and you know like these games like that's why i try my best to promote i try to promote like when i was coaching the girls i tried to promote the younger girls to come watch to see mm-hmm. to, 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 you know it's it's always important, you know. Even when the World Cup came in 2015, go girls, go watch. Yeah, watch once in a lifetime, you know. Or or when we do video analysis, I don't do video analysis about the men's Chelsea or Lyon. I would like girls watch the Lyon women's team. Women's team. Look at them, you know. Yeah. Don't just look at don't just look at the 
the men's, which is which is good, you know. But just look at the women's also. They, there's some good players you could uh, because they mm-hmm. feel they feel the sense of like I could be that player. Yeah, you know the way you describe that AAA game, I got goosebumps. Like my heart started beating quick because like it's it's I understand that. Like I've seen that in both men's and women's where you. At, when you reach that level, it's not even about gender anymore. It's about you being an athlete and winning and doing, getting to that mindset of just being like, I will kill whoever's in my way to that medal. You know what I mean? And it's, um, yeah, my, you, you got me all excited and yeah, like pop, pop, hyped up. Yeah. But, but the, the, the funny thing is that uh, those players, it's so, so easy to hype them up, you know? Like, <laughs> and, and, like there's sometimes it's hard because when you play teams that are a little bit, you know, weaker than, you know, they're weaker, it's hard to motivate them because, oh, we're going to win, you know, but first, yeah, whatever. Right? But, you know, that team, for example, I and, and I think the reason why, the reason why I, uh, the, the second game we played them, we were six points away from winning the title. Mm. So that was the game where like, it, it will, because there were second. So it was a way to like, you know. Yeah put a put a nail in the coffin remember what i did is that i put all the things because most of those players they train at the cmhp together you know like a training center and the, the women's okay. training center but they know each other oh okay. like one would trash talk the other here and there blah blah, blah <laughs> and i would say don't say anything that would tell me the girls you know blah 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 and i remember the coach would trash talk us also you know like yeah Tell me, Abe, this is not soccer. I'm like, dude, there's a ball and 11 players. They're in soccer. <laughs> anyway, but at the end, I remember I wrote all the quotes of what those girls said and their quote, and I smashed it on the wall in the locker room yeah. with all like all our lineup and our set plays and whatever. <laughs> and and the girls, what, they said that? I'm like, yeah. yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> Come quick. Good. Yeah. And the rest is history. Yeah, and 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 the rest was history. But um, and that's you know like these little moments, the adrenaline, all that. But that that that's that's like that that these are one of the games that like I I could rewatch again because it was so good. There was so much quality intensity. Mm. Um, eleven players coming back to defend, eleven players attacking. Oh, that's great. Um fullbacks in wingers out uh, they knew what they were doing and 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 it just shows you that there is potential in that and that and there's a lot of potential it's just yeah. a matter of um money you know money but also promoting the sport yeah you know like even even hockey women's hockey mm. it's the same as uh, as men's hockey in terms of like nhl and like the viewership and all that stuff is it the same yeah, do they have yeah. the same. They say do they have the same funding? I mean, they should. They should try to push women's hockey, you know. But because we're in a country that it's, you know, they all play hockey, you know, here and there. Is it the same? Is it really the same as the NHL? And it's the sport of this of Canada, you know, like. Yeah, no, that's a good point. It's it's it's, it's it, there's a lot. I think I think I think women's team sport. They have to. They have to push it. I mean, mm. I know basketball. They've they've had some pretty good runs in basketball in the Olympics or in, in World Cup. Uh, but again, yeah, I think uh, it's it's a matter of the, their own federation, but also the government. Also, they need to uh, 
You can't just stay still and say, we want a gold medal. Everything's going well. No, it's not. No, like you keep it going. Add more to it. And yeah. Yeah. It's no, I, I totally agree. And I think, um, I'm just hoping it takes one advocate to push it, to push that agenda. And I hope that Christine Sinclair, whenever she retires, hope she doesn't, well, she will most likely retire soon, but she, I think she even said that she's going to retire soon. I hope that she's the one that could push that and people start listening and take it seriously. And that's what I'm hoping. Yeah. But um, I hate to do this abruptly, but dude, this is an amazing conversation. I'm enjoying myself. Um, we can go on forever. We can go on to four hours, but I don't want to do that to the listeners. <laughs> but before I go, or before we go rather, um, I have two questions. I've been asking to all, the, to all my audience and I've been asking everyone because this is still a soccer program. I still want to make it about, you know, travel and visiting places. Uh, so first question is, uh, what is a soccer match or a football match that like is top of your bucket list that you want to watch? Like, uh, a cl- like a class, like a classical kind of game or a derby match or just whatever. Uh, I'm going to be biased and say Spurs Arsenal. Oh yeah. Okay. At, at the I just want to be, I just want to be insulted and say, someone tell me you're a wanker. <laughs> like I, I do. <laughs> but but to be fa- but to be fair, Liverpool uh, it would be sorry uh, it would be maybe Liverpool Man United mm. uh, Man City Man U Man U uh, yeah. but Spurs Arsenal is, is one of them. So yeah, I would if I if I was watching that game with you and Son Heung Min scored, I'm just gonna let you know. I'm gonna let you know how I feel because <laughs> oh, <I'll have> <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's the greatest Asian player ever, in my opinion. I mean, he might even be better than Park, which might be blasphemous, but I'm gonna leave it there. Um, yeah, and that's uh, a, that's a that's a good debate, actually. That's, that's a, a really good that's a really good debate because yeah. it's two different positions, two different roles, but like they were so remarkable. Yeah, one's one one one's one trophies. <laughs> that's enough said. I think that's enough yeah. said. Um, and then uh, second question is. Uh, what venue do you want to watch a game? It doesn't have to be a specific game, just a venue that you just want to watch any regular game. Anfield. Really? Not Emirates? Anfield is, uh, is, uh, it's a special stadium that mm. uh, I would go yeah. because um, it is the essence of soccer. Oh, good. That's a good line. I like that. It's, and I, I, I feel bad because for me, it was Highbury. Mm. It looked like, it looked like that type of stadium where it was just so, so like old school. Yeah. But, but Anfield would, would be a, would be a stadium. And fun fact is that end of October, I'm planning a, a nine day trip. Yeah. Do it. Do it. Do it. 100% do it. I, I, I got the guys. We're just waiting on the schedule to come out. Mm. And the idea is to do hopefully uh go to manchester or liverpool yeah one of the two cities on a saturday because obviously if champions like they're going to get games on saturday mm. um go to london hopefully watch arsenal or mm. whatever if, if i'm able and uh, then another country watch a midweek game in a champions league or europa league and then finish off in madrid because my friend is a big fan of madrid oh yes watch, watch a game in madrid or uh or, or any la liga game and then but uh, yeah, it's that's, that's good. It's I'm. I just want to be insulted. 
Freaking wanker. Thank you. That's, that's, you pick it as a voicemail for me. <laughs> um, when, when you do that trip, we'll revisit, we'll talk about your trip because, yeah. but like, I, I do want to say this, uh, when you take a train, oh, I, t- I remember going to the UK, I went from Edinburgh to London and I took a train yeah. from Edinburgh to, uh, yeah, to London, from Scotland to London. The train went past Highbury. And I was at the window seat and I saw Hybrid, no, not Hybrid, sorry, Emirates, the Emirates Stadium. And I saw, you know, the banners of like, I think there was Thierry Henry and Bergkamp and whoever. And I remember just looking and I'm like, holy shit, that's the Emirates. And then the train station must have been maybe driving 10 minutes away, 30 minute walk. I think it's King Cross. It's not too far from, yeah. uh, from the Emirates. And I was thinking, I remember looking for tickets for, for the Emirates, but it was all sold out. It was against Wolves. It was like impossible to get tickets. Yeah, yeah, well, well. Yeah, but that's, it's, that's my concern is the tickets. Like it's, it's going to be yeah. like, if I can't find any, I'm going to go watch a championship game. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that's a pretty good game. Or go to a West Ham game or, or a yeah. Crystal Palace game. Or a Man City game on a Champions League night. Yeah. And, um, I gotta say about Madrid though. Uh, I don't know if I said, shared this, I probably shared this in an episode. I, I remember going to a conference in Madrid the day I landed, I checked my Airbnb. And I asked the, the host of the Airbnb, I was like, where's uh, Santiago Bernabeu? She was like, Madridista? I was like, see. Sí. She was like, oh, so I'm Madridista. And then she was like going crazy. She was like, okay, take this metro, go there, leave now. She's like, you want to like, you don't want to miss a moment. Yeah. She, she was adamant. She's like, I don't want you to miss uh, the like 10 minutes before they walk out. I don't want you to miss the lineup. I don't want you to miss a thing. And I remember being in a metro and then uh, going towards the Santiago Bernabeu station more and more white shirts started coming in and you could feel the excitement and just the energy in the metro. And I was like, yo, this is amazing. I get out the station. There's a guy, uh, a busker, like a musician, just playing all the Madrid songs. And I was like, holy shit, this is for real. And then what was cool was everyone was speaking a different language. Everyone from around the world came to watch this game. And it was Zidane's first game back as coach. And I saw Gareth Bale. Well, Ronaldo left, so I was like, oh, I can't miss the train. But like, <laughs> I got to see Bale and Benzema, and Marcelo, Isco, uh, Casemiro, Modric. Oh my god! I was like, I'm watching five World Cup winners, you know, on the field. I was like, this is insane. It yeah, was- yeah, I- yeah. <laughs> I, 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 well, that's that's why on June 16th I will be monitoring very well the schedule, <laughs> you know, because. But, but look, like, for, like, uh, for me, like, uh, like I said, the venue is, is um, Anfield, Anfield, Anfield is, is a special stadium, mm. it's a special stadium at the end of the day. Like for me, Emirates, Emirates is my, it's the club I love for, yeah. for sure. Like I have to find a way like to go there, but for a soccer fan, Anfield, soccer fan, I, it's, it's going to Anfield that it, it, it's an experience basically. Yeah. If I if I if it, if it was Old Trafford with uh, Sir Alex Ferguson, I would go to mm. watch Old Trafford. To be fair, like it, it, shout. I I wouldn't I wouldn't say no. Um, I would go like I would go to Anfield. Um, I don't know where else. I mean, obviously the big. I mean, yeah, big clubs. The big clubs, with a special atmosphere. Um, I mean, for, besides Anfield, I would say. Uh, Oh, fuck. what's it called Signal? Sing- I forget the Borussia Dortmund Stadium yeah 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 uh, 100% agree yeah I forget the name 100% uh, agree uh, the Dortmund Park <laughs> the do- <laughs> Dortmund Field <laughs> Dortmund Field yeah 
but yeah, but I agree. Like, um, you know, Anfield special where there's a Barcelona documentary about the team where they lost, uh, where Liverpool beat Barcelona at that famous comeback at Anfield, where they had an episode about that. It was on Netflix, like a Barca. I forget the name of the Barcelona documentary where the way they presented Anfield and the way that players talked about Anfield, the Barcelona players talked about Anfield. You can tell Barcelona had a lot of respect for Anfield because they know that this is a very special place. And yeah. they, they lost in a very special way. <laughs> but I, I respect the documentarians showing it for, not for what it is, but showing the respect that it deserved. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Like, uh, I'm, I'm at a point right now, like every time it says Arsenal away to Liverpool, it's like at a point where I'm like, okay, how much, how much time in the, until they score? <laughs> because back then, I remember like, we would tie them, we would beat them in Anfield. Mm. Uh, but now there's a point where it's like, it's, it's like, you know, when you, you have a good squad, but at the same time, you have a, such a, an amazing atmosphere over there. Yeah. It's, it's, it's special. It's, it's so special. And yeah. um, like, like, look at, like, um, I'm sure like, uh, like, what's, what's the other team that I want to say? Um, like Atletico Madrid against Man City. Mm. like that that was that was that was special that, 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 was, was, big. that was special that's that's crazy atmosphere that i'd love to witness and hopefully i will yeah uh, i hope i hope you do man at I'll, the end of october so i'll uh i'll sacrifice a lot of small chickens so that this could happen for you <laughs> but yeah that being said uh abraham thank you so much for pulling through uh like the last time it's I've always enjoyed having your input and your uh, and your angle on things. I think it's refreshing for me, and it's uh, it's always a good conversation, man. I, I enjoy yeah, talking to you. Me too. Me too. It's great. Ho- hopefully, great. hopefully, we'll sit down at like Burgundy Line or some pub, watch a game, and just chill. Like maybe an Arsenal yeah. game. We're gonna do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, can we, we? Maybe maybe after maybe in three years with Liverpool. Uh... <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. Like, yeah, no, no, for sure. But it has to be at Emirates, please, because yeah, oh yeah, I, I yeah. want it to be at least like fifty-fifty because every time it's there. Oh no! Look, all 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 the things I could say about Arsenal is that, like, it, they're in big trouble right now. I mean, the the they're they lost three key players, and mm-hmm. it shows that they're missing depth right now. Yeah. And when you have a starting 11 that stays starting 11, they play really well. Yeah. Um, but unfortunately, if you want to make Europe, you need to have depth. You need, you need to have depth. Well, it's a club under construction. And I yeah. think I think the new... I, I like what I see so far. So they just yeah, got to no, add a little more. Yeah, they just need to add a bit more. And, and Liverpool is a perfect example. I mean, man, they have so much depth. Yeah. They, so, so much depth. Like Salah hasn't been playing well and already they're scoring goals. So just imagine. So it's a great time to be a Liverpool fan, man. Yeah, yeah, I know. for you. I forgot that feeling yet. <laughs> but that being said, uh, again, thank you for pulling through. And to everyone listening, uh, please don't forget to subscribe to Soccer Pilgrim on Spotify and follow us on Apple uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and follow me on Instagram on uh, uh, the Soccer Pilgrim. And that being said, from Montreal. My name is Jason Jisoo Kim, and this is Soccer Pilgrim. Thank you. Thank you.